The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 207 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the Membership Director for Wealth Builders, joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm right. A little weary because uh, we had our London meetup event last night. And oh, exactly. uh, what a, what a great night you, it was. You look a bit worse for wear, but I'm <laughs> sure that had nothing to do with the drink. No. Um, but we did clink a glass or two, didn't we? And it was nice. It was so great to see people in reality instead of seeing them in little boxes on Zoom. And um, there were a few people I was thrilled to see who I've been meaning to see for a long time. And we've got to do more of this, north, south, east and west, haven't we, really? So we're committed yeah. to that now, aren't we? Yes, indeed. Yeah, well, we were over capacity, oversubscribed last night. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and overbilled looking at the bar bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wine was flowing and uh, no, it, it was fantastic. We had some of our wealth coaches there, lots of our members, non-members as well. So um, yeah, a, a really great evening. And if you were there, we hope you enjoyed yourselves as well. So today's episode, we, uh, we're we back on the family's um, conversation uh, following up from last week, which was uh, Shaz Nawaz. And uh, this week, we've got another close friend of Wealth Builders, who is Mark Stokes. And uh, I'm sure many of our listeners will be familiar with Mark. He's a, he's a prominent figure in the UK property scene. And uh, you've known Mark for a long time, Kevin. And uh, you both, well, you know, Mark's got four children. You've got three children. So, you know, family's theme does run strong. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, Mark has always got a lot of really excellent things to say and no change here. He makes some great points, points that are really points of principle, I think, not just the practice of what has you done in your family, but principles like humility, for example, which, you know, you'll hear him talk about that. And, and also some of the mistakes he's made, you know, so nobody's claiming to be perfect, you know, working on our mission for wealth builders for families isn't about perfect parenting. It's about financial preparation, isn't it? It's about getting our young adults to be confident, responsible people to face the challenges of an increasingly complex life that in many cases they'll see to 100 and beyond. So, you know, we've, we've got to pay attention to what the lessons and the distinctions that you get from other people because as Kiyosaki said himself, um, and I think you mentioned in the discussion, you know, about the the power of books and I think I've mentioned this several times now, Chris, and I'm going to say it again because I think it's a powerful one, that the real lesson of Rich Dad, Poor Dad is he had a rich dad. He had a mentor. He had a guide. He had an influencer. And we have to be that influencer in our own life because probably we don't have two dads to influence. You know, we got one dad or one dad and one mom or whatever combination we've got. And sometimes, as he said himself, they're not always there. At least they might be there in body but they're not there in spirit. And, and that's what I like about Mark. He tells it as it is, always tells the truth, never hides anything and uh, does some fantastic things, but also owns up when, hey, I could have done this better. And then yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. And Mark left his very successful corporate career and achieved financial independence in his mid-40s. And uh, he went on to build a portfolio of multi-generational assets from property through to business and, and investments. And of course, alongside his long-term business partner, Nigel Green, uh, they founded Equa Group and then Equa Academy, which mm -hmm. provides uh, you know high-performance training and mentoring, supporting those with varying levels of experience in property. And um, Mark's property interests span across commercial, residential, buy-to-lets, HMOs, you know, new builds exceeding £100 million. So, um, you know. Are you doing this on AI or something? Chris? No, no. I mean, we it sounds like you're, you're doing a prompt from a, a Michael Parkinson show. But bear in mind, of course, sadly, we saw his death uh, this week, didn't we? And that was very saddened. I was very saddened to hear that. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it's a great introduction you make to Mark. I think we should uh, just go and listen to what he has to say. Yeah, so uh, let's head on over to our conversation with Mark Stokes. Mark, welcome back to Wealth Talk today. How are you? Thank you very much, uh, Christian. Yeah, I'm very well indeed. Thank you. How are you? I'm um, excellent. Excellent. And um, it's been a while since we last had you on, Mark, but today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, and that's really looking at how you are hel helping your children who are 
you know, across the age ranges now to really, you know, understand more about money, about what you're doing in business and looking at some of the challenges, you know, that the younger generation now have when it comes to financial literacy and, uh, you know, why we think these issues, I guess, are not raised more at school. And um, Mark, before we dive into that and find out a bit more about your family, be good to just hear how things have been going with you. Obviously, you're a business owner, property investor, developer. Things have been changing over the last 12 to 18 months. How are you finding the markets? What's your advice for any other property investors that are listening? Yeah, exactly. Well, look, I love these uh, podcasts because it's open sharing and everybody's got their own experiences, really eclectic market out there. And I wear a number of hats, as as you say, and I'm a business investor, I'm a trustee, uh, we have property developers, and um, and we own quite a lot of property as well. And clearly, there's been a massive change in the market over the last year. Uh, cost of finance has increased significantly. Uh, volatility, cost of ownership has increased with energy prices. Um, we see a big advance now in um, renewable energy. Um, moving away from you know the the mine and burn fossil fuel economy, so a lot of our efforts with our um, commercial conversions and also new build developments um, is to encompass solid renewables, because you know the homeowners, whether you're renting or whether you're buying, they want that those zero energy bills or as lower energy bills as possible. The cost of finance and the unpredictability of it has been a challenge. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think the measures were necessary. They've started to take control of inflation. We've had a second drop in a row uh, today, I read, um, of inflation. So it's starting to come round. Um, the buyers are out there. They just need to be able to access their own mortgages to acquire products. Um, and we're seeing lots of opportunities in the business acquisition space. So I spent 20 years in, in business acquisition and um, really want to ramp that part. So I'm very acquisitive in that area at the moment. So I think, um, as we both know, Christian, you know, where there's challenges out there, there's also opportunity. So it's uh, a, a continuous attention to protection as well as the acquisitive um, elements as well. Seize on the opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of anything is risky. So diversification is, of course, the the mantra of wealth builders. There's multiple pillars and you have to shift and change, don't you? As the seasons. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, Mark, um, your story actually is an interesting one. I know you touched on it there, you know, moving out of the, the corporate world, which you'd been in for a long time and transitioning to becoming your own boss. And um, we're seeing that more now with younger people, right? They're not in jobs as long as perhaps our generation and uh, generations before us. Pensions now not the same as they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. So we're going to talk today about, you know, how you've helped your children navigate the pathway. And um, first and foremost, let's um, let's find out a bit more about your family, Mark. So uh, would you mind telling us who the members of your family are? Yeah, so uh, Sharon and I, we celebrated last month our 25th wedding anniversary. Um, so that was uh, that, that was great. And um, we've got four children. Uh, Ben's 22, Jack's 20, Katie's 16 and Emily's 13. So there's quite an age range there. And, you know, I, you know advice to your younger self was uh, the, the book that I, I wrote with many others. It was based on a passion of helping people because I don't feel I was brought up with the right knowledge to talk about. Uh, financial wealth, financial health, uh, and wisdom. Um, it was a very, it just wasn't a spoken language in our household. Um, and I learned far too later in life. So, you know, I wanted to become better equipped, not as a business opportunity, but as a dad, um, to have conversations with children who, you know, when Emily was three, you know, the other kids were eight, 12, 14 you know it's uh one conversation doesn't cut it across four children so i need to be very agile and learn different techniques and systems um so i guess ben was the pilot program really you know he was our eldest so uh we went through um with him and and then evolved the systems with the family as as they grew older yeah. So, um, so let's look at, you know, some of the things that perhaps, as you say, Ben was the the first child that came along. How did you start, I guess, having those conversations around money when he was younger? Can you remember, you know, yeah. were those around the table? Was there any kind of games that you used to play? 
Absolutely. So I wanted them to appreciate the value of money and the value of time. You know, as, as we both know, wealth comes in different forms and, you know, wealth in terms of money and time. So um, we never gave the children pocket money. We gave them the opportunity to earn a certain amount through, you know, that fair exchange of value. The dishwasher, throw the hoover around the house, bit of dusting, washing up, whatever it is. And for that, a certain amount of pocket money each year, uh, each month, I beg your pardon. Um, and we didn't do it weekly. We did it monthly so that there was a, a planning phase. They had to allow their money to, to stretch for a, a certain period of time rather than, you know, just until next Saturday. Um, and we used a three-step system there in terms of um, the money that they earned. Let's I'll just use round numbers. Let's say it was £10. Um, 70%, 70% they could spend if they wished. 20% would go into the savings pot and 10% would go into the giving pot so we could consider others. And as all four children grew up, at the end of each year, we added all the 10% together and then the four children voted on how that pot of 10% was given to, and it was to, could be a cat's home, it could be to the RNLI or um, a cancer charity, but it was something that they choose. So they really understood the value to others of, of giving. So that was how we started, very tentatively. Um, I, what I have found is if if I'm too passionate, you know, dad's going off on one again, the kids just turn around and walk in the other direction. So it's, be, you know, being appropriate, age appropriate, um, and not forcing them down a route, just giving them the, uh, the telltale signs to enable them to find the right path for them. And, uh, you know, it's generally worked very well. There's been a few hiccups along the way, of course. Yeah. So, so I really like that 70, 20, 10, and, and that's become a habit now. I, I guess that's something yeah. every year that you do and, you know, nine years between Emily and, and Ben now, and, and do you find that your older children are, are almost passing on some of those lessons now to, to, you know, Katie and Emily? Yeah, de definitely. And also they're now starting to get jobs of their own, albeit, you know, one's just come out of the university system. The other is uh, in the university system, the older, the older boys. Um, but now that they're earning through full-time jobs or part-time jobs, again, that's 70-20-10, or, or they're adjusting uh, according to um, their, their needs. You know, again, it, it, it was never meant to be just for pocket money. It was about thinking uh, more laterally, longer term. And, um, and I think, you know, you, you and I have discussed at length the value of SAS pensions and you know the books I've written on on SAS as an example, where the kids have benefited from that is they've understood again that longer term thinking. When you have a chat with somebody, you know, a youngster who's maybe 15 years old, and you ask them to plan what they want to be when they're 30, I mean that's twice the length of time they've been on this planet. You know, they can't comprehend that. And I think that's one of the things we don't, as a an education system, we don't train our children and challenge our children to, to forecast great goals, you know, targets. Um, they don't have to be, you know, massively specific. It could be, you know, how can I have the ability to not, not work by the time I'm 40 or whatever, you know, I have a supercar or it doesn't really matter what it is, but it's thinking long-term and then you can um you know create a plan to work towards that um and just by default the fact that i've written books on sas the kids know what a pension is they don't know the details necessarily of it the younger ones anyway but it just helps them to understand longer term planning yeah yeah I, it's that understanding of delayed gratification isn't it which is so important with wealth and in a society and age now where everything is instant and children expect things to just happen instantaneously yeah. so i think you know probably a good good sort of segue into the education system and yeah. you know we don't want to knock the the work that the um, you know the schools and the teachers do however when it comes to the topic of finance and awareness there's still very, very little that's being taught in schools. And have you seen any, you know, any any sign of that with your own children? Have they come back saying, oh, we learned about this today, or we talked about tax, or we understand about, you know, the value of, of, of a pension? 
Is that anything that you believe is being taught to them in school? No. No, very, very little at all. Very under-equipped from the education system. I, I don't want to knock the education system because, you know, it brings the children up um, in a lot of areas that I couldn't possibly teach them. i got a lot of respect for teachers and the, the system and approach. But equally, I don't want to come across entitled as well because I, I think that's just you know, permeating into all levels of society. I don't think... As a parent, the schooling system was ever there to outsource your children's education. I think it was to outsource a very certain proportion of it. And I think it's incumbent on us as parents to really step up to the plate and, and what, you know, wealth builders and wealth talk are doing here is absolutely admirable. And it's long overdue in society. Somebody really taking, grasping the nettle and helping parents step up to the plate and apply their knowledge. And you know what? I think as, as parents, um, take that responsibility, um, I think they learn how to put things in a different way. They learn how to simplify the conversation. It's very easy to complicate a conversation, go straight into the detail, but actually to simplify, and you have to simplify, otherwise you're not going to get your message across to an eight-year-old. Um, so it's a system where we all work, uh, we all learn. Um, and the one thing that I was very much guilty of in corporate life is not spending enough time being present in the moment with my children. You know, I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. You know, if I was with the kids, maybe on a Sunday evening, you know, I was probably more thinking about the board meeting on the Monday morning rather than being present in the moment with them. So challenging yourself to have a plan, discuss, share things with children, listen to children rather than just tell them, you know, listen and evolve the conversation has been, has been quite a spiritual experience, to be honest. And and I feel as though I've grown because of it. And hopefully the, the children have grown a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the SAS pension there, of course, um, you know, there's many benefits of a SAS pension. And uh, one of them obviously is that you can have up to 11 members of the family, 11 trustees, right? Uh, so yeah. tell us, you know, how have you begun to integrate the family into the SAS pension? Yeah, through through education and information. Um, obviously, from the age of 18, they can. Um, that doesn't mean just because you could doesn't mean you should, you know, children mature at different levels. Um and I, I'm not putting them into our SAS uh, specifically. Um, I'm a big believer that um, the time I'm 54 this year, the risk profile I have in my life is going to be very different to a risk profile that a 20 something person might have. They might be heavily involved in artificial intelligence and cryptocurrency. And, you know, when you're a SAS trustee, as you know, you're joint and severally liable with your other trustees. So I'm not so sure, actually, I want the kids to be part of our SAS as it sits. So if and when, and they have started to show real interest, but if and when they do, we'll probably set up a separate SAS um, just purely for family members or maybe them individually, and I might become a trustee, become a second trustee, if you like, of, of, of their SAS. So, again, just because they could doesn't mean they should be involved in our um, uh, SAS in particular. But it's that that long range thinking, um, and the fact that they can go and sit in our cafe, which we own in our SAS, and have a hot chocolate and have a bite to eat, and it makes the the word pension rather than I mean it's dull as dishwater for me for thirty years, um, but it makes it relevant. Oh, okay, a SAS isn't just a spreadsheet; it's it can be. A cafe, it can be a garage, it can be a an office, it could as well as being stocks and shares or whatever, but it makes it relevant and a bit more fun for them. Um and I, I really like that. That's the interpretation, and it makes it relevant. Yeah. Yeah, and, and fun is uh, an important word, I think, especially with the younger children, right? It it has to be fun and uh, you know, certainly not boring. But um whether yeah, and that, that taking that point. That was um, one of the things that hadn't gone particularly well because I'm, you know, we're all all need to be humble, don't we? Uh, not everything you try goes well as a as a parent. And um, 
when I kind of blasted out of corporate life, I, I bought quite a lot of properties in the north and um, I did like case study sheets of them to show the children. And we live down in Surrey for those that don't don't know me particularly well. Um, but I hoped it would inspire the children. But it backfired a bit, to be honest, because they were so remote. They could just see pictures and, you know, they were in their you know, seven, eight, nine, or in their early teenage years, they actually want to physically see things that at that age so they can relate to it. And I misjudge that, if I'm honest. Um, I, In hindsight, I wish I'd invested more locally so the children and, you know, my wife can be a bit more inclusive in that journey. Um, so that was, uh, that was something. Because for me, um, yes, I want to create a legacy, and the legacy is not just in assets and you know monetary value. But what's more important to to me than legacy is the custodianship, the transfer. You know, work hard to create the legacy, and then just drop it like a pile of bricks on top of the uh, the children when I when I when I pass. Um, it's it's akin to the the lottery win. You know, destroying people. So it's. The legacy is more about the education, the custodianship, transferring the knowledge um, and equipping them with the confidence to be able to take on the legacy and assets that we've created, but do an even better job and keep that e the wheels turning, the evolution going. Um, that's what I want rather than the complacency of, you know, which often ends up being shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you're having great success in in your own right, Mark, with your businesses, with your properties, with your your education, helping others, mentoring, NED role, you know, as we say, many hats. How did you, how were you influenced um, as a younger child yourself? Did you have, you know, parents that talked about money because often we find the dynamic between the two parents can be very different as well or were there other influences in your life was there teachers anyone that you saw as a money role model in your own eyes yeah so i had a i had a very conservative um childhood um there wasn't a, a great deal of of money around so i was always taught um you know to to save money um not taught investment in any way shape or form that was definitely not the case. Um, but to save money, be careful with money. But that's as far as it went. Um, I went to an all-boys grammar school, so very conservative environment. And I probably didn't have the the external influence that, and I guess that's why with advice to you yourself, if you had your time again, if somebody put their arm around you in your mid-teenage years and whispered a couple of pieces of advice to you, and I didn't have that person in my life at the time. My parents were and still are absolutely fantastic people. Uh, couldn't have had a, a better upbringing. But sometimes you need that little bit more sooner to equip yourself. But of course, I had no idea at the time. You don't know what you don't know in those in those years. I think it's only with a bit of sage and seasoned experience you think, okay, well, I, given a different mindset. You know, I remember reading um, reading a book on a flight to Australia in 1999, um, and it was the first missed opportunity of developing a large portfolio that I had. You know, I'd, I'd moved as an expat abroad. I'd rented my property. Um, I'd only been married four months. We rented our property, and I had I had a tax free lifestyle. I I should have been investing in assets at that point. And when we moved back from Australia, the tenant left, we've moved back in and normal service was resumed. So it was that ideal opportunity. But again, missed the opportunity to have somebody around me questioning, okay, is that the right thing to do? What could you do? Um, not saying you've done it wrong, you screwed it up, you know, what a numpty, but actually just prompting and probing. Um, and I think that's valuable in in all of our lives. Doesn't matter what age I think having those somebody who will question in a very delicate diplomatic way, um, and that's what a coach, a mentor does. You know, it teases out of you um, the the right course of action. 
Yeah, I know from my experience over the last 10 years or so of, of running events, when I asked people, you know, what was the catalyst, the aha moment for many people, it was reading a book, right? And that book is very often rich dad, poor dad. Yeah, exactly. Suddenly people go ping. Oh my God, there's a different way of, of looking at this. But did you, did you have any moment? Was there any book or any, any influence that, that made you think like that? No, I, I think um, it was, wasn't from a book. Um, it was, it was actually from my, my business partner, Nigel. Um, he's been a, a massive influence for me. And I think he would probably say similar, you know, Sometimes in your life, you meet people that you just slide hand in glove together. You know, you just really gel. Um, and I've done a lot of things. Nigel hasn't. Nigel's done a lot of things. I, I, uh, hadn't. Um, and we just use those experiences, but the fundamental, um, so whether it's a skill or, or an ability for me, um, which I really cherish is the ability to remain humble all the time. If you remain humble, you're not complacent. You're always cross-checking. Nigel and I have never had a bad word ever in 25 years that we've known each other. Um, but we challenge each other every single day. It's because we're both passionate. We don't care who's right and wrong. We're just passionate about getting to the best solution every time. And whatever milestone we reach, you know, we know it could have gone a little bit smoother, so we can refine it another half a percent, another one percent of improvement. So it's that constant source. And that way you never suffer from procrastination. You're not looking for perfection before you get off your backside. You know, it's kind of classic start with version one to get to version 10. And um, be gotta make a start. And I didn't make a start early enough, and I'm passionate that I quit my children and hopefully you know, other families as well, um, to make that start and encouragement a whole lot earlier than I did. And, you know, shareholding is a good example for me. Um, my youngest daughter, Emily, was seven when she became a shareholder in uh, in our hold, one of our holding companies. Um, now, at the age of seven, did she know what a shareholder was? No, of course not. But the idea there was by the time she's 18, she'll know more about being a shareholder than I did when I was 18. And the wheels of progress and evolution move it, you know, move another circle forward. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been hugely powerful for yeah. us. Yeah. And as, as well as being shareholders, have you used employment as a means of helping your children, you know, earn some money as well? Yes, definitely. Um, so pretty much all the children have become uh, employees of, of one of our companies. Um, we do that properly. Um, it's when they're 16, they get a job description, a contract of employment, should they wish, and is the, and if there is a position to fulfil. So it's not a, a rite of passage that they absolutely will. Um, but to date, you know, find a role, relatively light duties, um, because once they're 16, they get something really valuable to our household, and that's a, a tax-free allowance. So we can pay them up to the, you know, 8,650 or whatever it is these days, um, tax-free. And that's the psychology um, that has changed since I left corporate life. When I left corporate life, my wife did an incredible job bringing up four wonderful children. Um, so therefore, I was the only breadwinner. Um, so my stroke our family income was one column on the spreadsheet and it was paye i was well taken care of but you know highly tax inefficient shall we say classic employee um as soon as i left corporate life had the good sense to create a spreadsheet that had six columns there are six breadwinners in this in this family six potential and the fact that Sharon wasn't earning wasn't a case that she wasn't she didn't have a job. It's just we didn't have the structure to enable her to tax efficiently be engaged. So becoming a shareholder, she can now take dividends, as an example. And so we made all the children through Alphabet shares um, shareholders. Um, obviously, they're not taking dividends uh, before they're of a certain age, because that will come onto my tax code. Um, but it gives options. And that's what we want. Um, 
But that helped me look at, hang on a minute, we've actually got six ways. And might I also say, if we're employing the kids on light duties and they're getting a salary, you know, the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh, Christian. So um, when they start earning, they can start contributing to um, the household economy as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, another thing we're not taught at school, is it, is, is how to read a payslip and, you know, children go out and start earning and then suddenly they see what they end up with at the end of the month and all these deductions and they don't understand tax. They don't understand national insurance and all the other, you know, you know benefits that, you know, simply are not explained. And, uh, you know, yeah. why why is this? So if if they're not being taught it at school, you know, who is teaching it? And uh, and that's where our conversation really leads today, isn't it? Absolutely. It, yeah. It's sadly lacking in the in the world out there. And um, there's lots of people who just go into blame culture and won't do anything and blame the school system. And there are a select few of us and yourself um, predominantly, you know, really forging ahead, sharing this with family units so the whole family unit can become more accountable and i couldn't be any more supportive i think it's fantastic yeah yeah well thanks so much for sharing everything today mark uh, i guess finally you know reverting back to your book which of course was published in 2019 i will link to it uh, in today's show notes for anyone who wants to uh, get a copy and it's available on amazon it's a fantastic read timeless wisdom really not just for your children your grandchildren nieces nephews that can be passed on but um you know looking back no two families are the same no two children are the same um is there anything now you look back on you think I would have done differently or that you're, you're proud in the way that you did, you know, uh, bring your children up to have a better understanding? Yeah, I, th- I think there's I think there's just so many, so many. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not complacent. I think everything we could have done better sooner. So I do give myself quite a hard time. I don't give my kids a hard time. You know, I want them to have a loving childhood, a childhood free of pressures of you know, business and shareholding and pensions and things like that. Look, they have a lovely, fun childhood, and that's what I want. So it's sometimes I've gone a little bit heavy on the detail. Sometimes I've I've been a bit remiss and not included them in certain things, uh, which I which I could have. But you know, they know they know why I've written a, a, a book, for instance. Um, you know, might be to create profile or make some money. And and by the way, the advice to your younger self book, everything goes to um, charity. There's nothing in it for me. It's my kind of give back to to society. So I think what what's really important, I think, for all of us is to bring up well-balanced children into young, maturing adults who are prepared to contribute back to society, help others, create shared value and become fantastic citizens and um and look after us in our older age as well christian yeah yes no good words to leave us on and i've met ben and jack and they're lovely lovely boys so um you know you. congratulations to you for you and your wife sharon for for doing such a wonderful job there so uh thank you mark for sharing today really enjoyed our conversation i'm sure we'll be speaking again very soon i look forward to it thanks again christian take care so lots of interesting points from Mark there. And um, before we look at those in a bit more detail, Kevin, let's read out one of our reviews that we've had in this week from Trustpilot. So uh, thank you as always to those that have taken some time to uh, share your experience of working with us and our team. This week, I'm going to pull out a review from Richard who says, Wealth Builders have been a fantastic support to me in venturing out away from traditional pensions and into a SaaS. Kevin Whelan guided me through successfully to set up everything, and the podcast and community are excellent. It's the spirit of Kevin that drew me in, as he genuinely shows he cares about each one of us in our individual journeys. I wrote him with a confusion I had over tax, and he kindly emailed me back with his phone number. Such dedication is rare these days, and I greatly appreciate it. Oh, I'm blushing. I'm blushing. But thank you so much. And um I genuinely appreciate that. And I think people know by now our integrity is unimpeachable, isn't it? And what we do is about the result for, for our members. And even non-members will do our best to help, won't we? And we we do that very frequently. But, um, you know, Mark, who's been a, a good friend of uh, Wealth Builders for a long time, and many of our Wealth Builder students end up uh, getting more 
detailed learning and knowledge from from him and from Nigel, particularly on the subject of commercial and commercial to residential conversions, way beyond you know our abilities really, and um, and 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 really speaks very clearly and and elegantly on SaaS because he's done that, wrote a book about that. Uh, very passionate about learning the mistakes of younger years and um, and as I said before, you know that humility shines through. But what did you pick up, Chris? Well, I think, you know, we've said, you've said many times on the podcast, you know, um, schools obviously serve their purpose in in many fantastic ways, uh, the education they provide. But, um, you know, they don't teach financial lessons at school. We know that, right? So if where are our children getting these financial lessons from? And um, I think Mark touched on, you know, he wished he'd learned earlier. And, um, you know, what we're really trying to achieve with with Wealth Builds for Families here is, um, I guess, it's just giving children the opportunity, right, just to get curious. So just, you know, sowing those seeds earlier. So for those that are interested, they can pick up and they can take it from there. And of course, all children are different. Not all will be interested. But those that, that perhaps might hear something, you know, in those early formative years, um, that's really what we're trying to achieve here, isn't it? Well, look, like it or not, your kids are watching, right? They're watching you. They're soaking up everything. So the language you use, the actions you take. I mean, Mark made the point, didn't he, which was uh, sometimes he wasn't there. He was so busy thinking about work the following day that perhaps he wasn't as present as he would have liked to have been. And that's an important lesson right there. And we all fall into mistakes. And certainly I meet a lot of business owners where they'll frequently admit to, ooh, they missed this for, for one of their children or they missed that or they didn't get there on time or they had to go away instead of doing something for the family. So there, there really is an important lesson to be learned in there, not necessarily one about financial lessons, but just one about, I suppose, making the, the kids feel like you know, there's a togetherness there and uh, an over-reliance sometimes on one partner to do the breadwinning and one partner to do the raising. And I think it takes two to really get the lessons across when it comes to finance. And while I know you say people are interested at different times, and I think you said in the interview, Chris, you know, all families are different, all children are different, and indeed they absolutely are. In fact, all wealth builders are different. The key thing, though, is you can't escape money responsibilities. You can't be an adult without money responsibilities that are being uh, lessons well learned. Otherwise, you become exposed to dangers that, uh, in, in many cases, are unseen by the young people, like student debt, like <clears throat> high cost debt, like not appreciating, as you said, tax, and thinking, "Oh, I've got this salary, and but the net position is significantly less than that." Um, so, yeah, we've got to teach these lessons wherever we can, and and it's it's the parents' job, I think, not the school's job. To, to be sensitive to the needs of each individual child. I don't think schools can do that. Schools can support that where schools do, but generally speaking, I think we know they don't do it at school, they don't do it at college, they don't do it at university, they don't even do it at work. Uh, so there's a gap, and that gaping gap is there to be filled, and we're going to do our best to help parents of, of all kinds who've got that humility to say, hey, I'm not perfect. I would like to get my kids to be responsible because in the end, you know, the uh, baby boomers like me and uh, to a certain degree, Mark, <clears throat> a bit younger than me, but uh, nonetheless, they're going to leave a fantastic legacy. And if we don't equip our younger people with the skills to be able to deal with that, and he talked about it, it's like a lottery win, you know, and a lottery win in the hands of irresponsible people will be a dissolution of the money, you know, the money will be distributed in, in super quick time and consumed even. And I think he used the word shirt sleeve to shirt sleeves in three generations. And that's well established as a piece of language. And I've mentioned that one before. So I think we've got to do this. And that's why I think we don't shirk from that. And and I think Mark isn't either. So he, he makes some really, really good points in there. 
So I think for for all of us, right, uh, the, the, our youngest sort of memories of money is is getting some pocket money, right? Parents giving us some money for 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 different things, and Mark case, talked about that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it wasn't just handing out X amount per week. It was actually, you know, okay, do something uh, and and be rewarded for you know the value that you've done, whether that's cleaning or some chores and whatever mm. it be. So that was how obviously Mark started off uh, with his children when they were younger. Yeah. Uh, and that developed into what he called the three-step system, uh, almost like the money jars. T. Harv Eker is, is well right. known for talking about the money jars. And uh, the way that Mark did it was uh, 70% of the money that they earned, they could spend. 20% they would save. And 10% would go to giving. And I love the way that the whole family would come together at the end of each year and add up all those 10%. And then you know decide between them the charity or the good cause that they wanted to, to put that towards. So, mm-hmm. so I really like that element. Yeah, and I've seen lots of families embrace that in in various guises. I've I've seen one um, who said, you know, we tax them. Um, we literally take fifty percent off them. I mean, they don't take fifty percent off them. They allocate it to a, a future property fund. But nonetheless, it's getting that experience, isn't it? Saying, well, this is what I've earned, but this is what I'm keeping, and this is a fundamental lesson in life and in wealth that it's not what you earn that counts, is what you keep that counts. Now, of course, at the beginning of a age-appropriate conversation about value, and not just value in terms of time for money, because time for money is a lesson we want to build upon later on in life, don't we? We don't want to teach time and money are equal because we want to show that by planting seeds of money, money can work itself and assets can work. Uh, and you can sow those seeds earlier by talking about seeds. Uh, so definitely some parents have picked that up. Um, we've, we've definitely seen that where they talk about planting seeds and, and also showing there's a time delay between planting something. Even I remember kids doing cress and, and various things, you know, so looking after plants, looking after something is, is, is an important life lesson to show that other things need nurturing. And I think that's a lesson that can be easily picked up in the younger ones and then the older ones can pick up well, what does that mean in terms of assets that create cash flow of themselves and mm. i just love the idea by the way of you sitting in a cafe with your daughter having a hot chocolate with your arms folded with a glum not a glum look but a smug look not glum mark's never glum looking at the building saying we own that i mean how wonderful is that to be able to involve your children things that they can look and get and i think showing kids things and and getting them involved is much more important isn't it than than trying to teach them i think that made me laugh when he said um oh dad's going off on one <laughs> i get that right my kids go oh no it's another kevism <laughs> you know so you you can't always judge it correctly uh and again i like that about mark that you know i think he said at the end there that if he when you asked him, well, what would you do differently? He said, sometimes you went in a bit heavy and with good intention, of course, but that good intention can sometimes backfire. And um, that's a lesson that we can all learn as well. So yeah, do what you think is right and then get the feedback and go, oops, maybe I need to. Re-. And, and, and sometimes people will learn lessons from others as much as they'll learn from you. And sometimes even differently, they'll take a lesson from a teacher more than they will from the parents. So we're quite happy that some of the teaching uh, can come from what other parents are doing and what other kids are doing of all ages so that they can um, pick up what they want to pick up for themselves and not be not be forced, not to be hurried, not to be encouraged to do things which they're not really interested in. So I think it's a gradual, gentle process that I think would be best to follow if you can do that and recognize the lessons that you're learning yourself because this isn't about parenting, is it? It's just about doing the best you can. Yeah. Something we're researching at the moment is, you know, the different learning styles and uh, different ways that, you know, we can make that fun. And um, the example you mentioned there about them sitting in the cafe that was owned inside the pench, inside the SAS, right? But it was an experience. So hence why, you know, that probably resonated. It probably stuck more in, in their memories as opposed to, 
when Mark said he started buying buy to let properties up north and yeah, exactly. you know it was just a list of names of houses on a on a sheet of paper and and they couldn't connect to that even his wife couldn't really connect to that so you know obviously some mistakes not necessarily mistakes but you know observations of things that worked or or hit home a little bit more than others no exactly right and that, that's again good lessons isn't it really to try and judge that so anything else uh picking out yeah so i noticed that you asked them the question about what are you doing far as your family is concerned with SaaS. And I think he made a really good point, which is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because with 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 our young people learning at different stages, he quite rightly uh, made the point that the risk profile of an 18-year-old is not the same as a risk profile of somebody in their mid-50s. And, and also, a SaaS is a collective. It's all, it's like the, the musketeers, really. Everybody has to agree. And you don't necessarily want to get 18-year-olds to agree with what you're doing in your 50s. So it makes sense for them to watch. And at some point, they can have a decent pension with low charges and build up their pot and and, and join when it's appropriate or not join if it's not appropriate. So I think he makes a really good point because sometimes our SaaS clients, and we set up a lot of SaaSes every year, they they ask if they can add their 18-year-old kids from day one. And we always say, it's probably best you don't so that you get the hang of how a SaaS actually works. And then, then you understand how the rules work for you to decide either you want to show them, because in the end, it's a trust fund, and a trust fund is really a legacy plan for the money you don't spend. And if you do it well, you'll have a lot of money left over in your SaaS because you're generating a high return with low charges and being able to draw good income. So I think Mark's right. You don't need to add kids just because you can do it. And I think that's true. I've heard Mark say that a lot um, when some people say, should I put my property in the SaaS? Well, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. And you have to judge each one because a SaaS is a vehicle where the money's growing inside the SaaS. Well, what if you want to grow a business and you want the money in a business? So you want to be able to make a choice as to where do you want the money? In your business, in your SaaS, a bit of both. You know, because the lessons can be shared with the children, whichever way you go about it, but what your personal ambitions are and the needs of your business and your income needs and so on, uh, they need to be decided by you, not necessarily by your kids. Now, we've heard Mark speak many times on stage and uh, he's a smart guy when it comes to business. He talks a lot about creating your own personal economy, you know, keeping that money circular inside, not not letting it out. And he showed an example of being tax smart with employing your children inside the business so that, you know, you can make use of those tax-free allowances for the family. Uh, And then beyond that as well, you know, making them shareholders so that they can earn dividends. So, you know, really clever. And all of those things actually we'll be covering in the Wealth Builders for Families, you know, offering. We'll be covering what age can you employ kids. You talked about 16, but you can actually do it earlier than that. Uh, in fact, you know, if you've got children who are performers of some kind, singers or dancers or actors or models or whatever they would be, uh, they can earn money from the get-go. And the current allowances we speak is a bit more than, than Mark's recollection of it, it's now over 12 and a half grand. And that's a lot of money tax-free. And you definitely do not want to misunderstand those rules and get that income added to yours, uh, as Mark uh, identified. So uh, yeah, we'll teach all those things. So you'll know what's a good thing to do, when is a good time to engage your children if you've got a business, or even not. You know, they could get experience of working elsewhere, because whatever they may want to do, the passion, the purpose they find in life may have nothing to do with property, nothing to do with the business you're in. Uh, so encourage them to find that work elsewhere, but um, you know, play on a team, uh, but deliver full on, participate full on, create as much value as possible. So at the very least, you just get a glowing reference, you know, and some money in the bank. And why not do that? Now, we, you know, we mentioned at the start of the episode, we were at our event last night in London and, uh, you know, so many people coming up to us, so many conversations being had. 
talking about families, talking about things that they were doing, games they're playing, uh, ideas. So, you know, we're constantly every day just building up these resources. And if you're listening now, if you've been inspired by what you've heard today, if there's something you're doing or have done with your own children that you think would be helpful to share, then please do get in touch with us because, you know, we're really curating, Kevin, all of this amazing content, aren't we, to create something very special that we hope will, you know, have that ripple effect uh, on so many people. So, you know, do get in touch with us. Um, There's a couple of ways you can do that. If you just want to be kept up to date as we start to release more of the family's content out there, then head to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash families. Or if you would like to, you know, speak to us or or send us something, then you can drop us an email, hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk. That's a great point you make, Chris. I was talking to one of our members uh, last night, uh, David and his wife, and he was saying, you've been thinking about this a long time, Kevin, haven't you? I said, yeah. He said, but I heard you say on the podcast, you're, you're really going from preschool right the way through. All of those transitions, all of those major changes, you know, that children will go through. Uh, how on earth are you going to write all that? That's a mammoth task. And I said, I'm not going to. You know, I'll create the principles, but then I'll invite other people to tell us what they're doing, the games they're playing. The participation like Mark and John Dale on a previous podcast and others to come, uh, Shaz, for example, what else are they doing that can serve to inspire somebody else? Say, hey, that's a good idea. I'll give that a try. If it works, keep it. If it doesn't work, try something different. So I think we're going to curate. So I'm going to become a librarian, Chris, a curator of other people's ideas, as well as the ideas we've got with our own. And like the podcast, just give a little bit of a wealth builder twist to make sure it fits in with our fundamental values. But I'm looking forward to people sharing. And there were enough people last night who were telling me what they were doing with their kids. You've got to come on the podcast. So I don't think you're going to be short of people to be chatting to. But of course, we need to temper the knowledge that we're passing on to our youngers with making sure that our our grown-up members are still continue to build their wealth as appropriately in whichever pillars they want to. So we won't deviate from that. But right now we're just getting a bit carried away with the family's piece because, you know, it's a big, it's a bit of a mission, isn't it, for us right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you couldn't join us last night, then uh, definitely head to the Wealth Builders Facebook group. Uh, the photos should be uploaded by now and you'll see the family wealth declarations that uh, everyone was signing last night as well. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be uploading that to the website. You, you can download your own copy and share that with your own family uh, if you so wish to. So um, I think that wraps up today, Kevin. Thank yeah. you for your time. Thank you, Mark, as always, for for sharing your uh, wisdom and insights with us. And uh, we hope you enjoyed listening. Kevin, we will catch up same time, same place next week. We will indeed. Until then, my friend. See ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership. 